Welcome back to Caught Monologuing. I'm Ryan Kunzer. And I'm Errol Koenig. And today we have a very special episode, our holiday Star Wars Spectacular. Yes, it's so spectacular. Uh, we're going to have to talk about Star Wars for a while. And we're skipping the news altogether because we have a special treat for you. On top of talking about Star Wars, we have a special Christmas present for you at the end of the episode. We did a lot of news last time, so yes, like a lot, a lot of news. You were going to talk about Coco and uh, Justice League, and well, that that didn't is happen. Probably not going to happen. At least not this year. So yeah, um, yeah. Either way, um, let's get into it with Star Wars, shall we? Yes, the big movie, the the holiday movie that's taking over. You know, mm-hmm. you might have noticed it in your local toy store once or twice or everywhere. Yes. Or movie theater because it's currently playing and I want to believe 60% of theaters in... in really? Uh, and by 60% of theaters, I don't mean like movie theaters. I mean like of the theaters within a movie theater, it's like 60% <laughs> of the screens. Oh, wow. Because uh, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so talking about star wars uh the last jedi uh saving the best jedi for last um is a thing (laughs) someone might say they're trying to sound clever um yeah but and you would never do that no i'm not clever uh but yeah let's get into it uh with no spoilers at first um just so we have some listeners that haven't seen the movie yet i don't know why it's you waited too long ryan waited too long he just saw the movie i had reasons uh not good reasons fam (laughs) family is very important but when it comes to watching star wars i just ultimately it doesn't matter look i saw coco i know that family is important and i don't want to leave anybody out it's an important shared experience that we all watch it together that's true you can watch it all together, but you just watch it for the second time. Yeah. I will say, so, Errol, that the movie theater that we watched it at, the yes. Uptown in D.C., is totally mm-hmm. your kind of theater. Is it? Yes, because it's one massive screen that has a lot of curve to it. And so if you're someone who likes to sit front and center, it's extremely immersive. And also no one else well, likes to sit front and center, so it's very empty up there. That is true. I will say I have been to a couple of those uh, theaters. There's like the biggest one I think is like the Cinerama Dome in LA. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've been there. There is one problem to those theaters for insane people like me. Because the screen is curved, the closer you are, the more you notice the curve. Ah. Because I I saw The Force Awakens uh, in the Cinerama Dome. Uh, Mm -hmm. Granted, I've already seen it three times before. Uh, I saw it there, but um, it... It was definitely more curved. It was noticeable that it was different. Yeah. Um, but yes, I I do like those theaters. And I think those theaters are great because it helps normal people uh, get an immersive experience. Almost as, as immersive as if I were to see it. Uh, or yeah. even similarly so, but like in a regular seat. It's not the perfect theater for me. I still think, you know, the perfect theater... Uh, for me is one with just a giant regular IMAX screen, not curved, so there's no warp, 
and I sit mm-hmm. nice front and center, and it's like a little bit too big of a screen, so you have to look like around in every direction, and yeah, uh, so you're really in there. Um, that being said, that sounds awesome. Uh, Ryan, how did you like the movie? I really liked it. I think if we're gonna put a scale to it, I'd say eight and a half out of ten. Okay. You know, what did you think? Uh, I also liked it. Uh, however, I'm very conflicted. Um, what about? Well, so, of course, in the whole scheme of things, I love Star Wars. Uh, yes. But it was, there was stuff in, like, the first time I left the movie thinking, well, that movie had two endings. They had the first one when they finally escaped the giant ship and got yeah. to the planet. And, like, after um, Laura Dern with her purple hair. Yeah. Yeah, uh, did the thing did the thing uh and then they got to the planet but then there was still a whole other act of the movie left yeah and also felt... i think our spo- non-spoiler section just went up in flames that's true i'll put a note in the comments that we're spoiling before the spoilers doesn't yeah. I, I have a lot of stuff i want to talk about so we're just gonna go we're just gonna get into it yeah uh so spoilers yeah sorry um it's not even the big spoiler, though, so no. it'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> but, so, Laura Dern saves the day, but also there's they go to the planet, and then there's still a day to be saved, and then it has a whole other second ending. And I was like, that's... They should have cut it off at the end of the first one, the first ending. Uh, yeah. And that makes sense. But then I thought about it, and I listened to so many podcasts and talked to um, everyone but you because you hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started thinking, well, the stuff, there was a lot of weak stuff with some of those, like with the arc that ended with that with uh, that first ending. Yeah. And the stuff with that at the end, that's actually the stronger part of the movie and that should have been the ending when i watched it a second time that was reinforced that it did have a much more cohesive three-hour structure but mm-hmm. some of the stuff in the middle um and i'm referring mainly to the uh, rose finn excursion yeah was it it went on too long it went on too long and it was completely unnecessary mm-hmm. i mean i get why uh they're doing it um but it was just i don't know like i get that you had to give finn something to do in this movie i understand that you're trying to kind of putting him on the bench until episode nine he's a great character they just didn't have anything for him to do in this movie yeah this you know the force awakens was a movie about uh finn ray uh and um Han Solo. Yeah. This movie, uh, I think, was about Ray, Luke, and Leia. Not Poe? And Poe. Actually, throw Poe in there, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, about those four. Finn was just kind of there to advance Poe's story. And they spent a little bit too much time on it because he's such a good character and he's a good actor and they need to give him stuff to do. It's just... 
they didn't give him strong enough stuff. Yeah. Um, it was either not enough stuff or too much. Like, they were in that middle ground where there wasn't that much character growth development, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, with him uh, and Rose, who I think is a great new addition to the franchise, just, you know, her story arc was inconsequential to the story. Yeah. I mean, um, we'll get into this a bit later, but I did appreciate that, like, they went along with that story arc uh, as if it was going to be important and relevant. Yeah. And then it ended up not being, but, you know, not because they did anything wrong, but because, uh, you know, the story was, you know, bigger than them, I guess. Yeah. I mean, and I get that. Um, and and I think what I read is that the original version of this movie was going to be three hours plus, mm-hmm. um, which is way too long of a movie. However, with that, we would have gotten more of, you know, the Finn Rose DJ yeah. stuff, which... I think would have been good. And also one thing that Star Wars did is they advertised a lot of BB-9E. This was the thing that I almost spoiled to you. Yeah. Uh, but then held back on because uh, <laughs> I'm a good friend. Um, Thank you. Uh, they advertised BB-9E a lot as like mm-hmm. the counterpart to BB-8. We got maybe two or three shots of them kind of against each other. I think they were going to have a lot more of him. Yeah. Uh, you know. Because, like, he seemed to be, like, the the one that knew it all, you know, from the First Order. That kind of mm-hmm. stopped the plan and stuff. And I think that would have been great, but we just didn't get enough of it. Uh, yeah. Or too much of it. Like, it, it was in a middle ground that is hard yeah. to deal with. No, I but liked it, what, the, what we got from uh, that droid. I think mm-hmm. one of my lesser complaints about this movie is that i think it was a little too heavy on the bb-8 being this super droid who can do everything front you know it was it was a little too whimsical for my taste i disagree he's my favorite part of the movie (laughs) i mean like like i judge movies very much on like how i react and sometimes that's just you know, if it's messing with my mind, sometimes I have very physical reactions. Mm-hmm. When BB-8, you know, and, and like this, I understand that his arc was not consequential. I get that. But at the end of that arc, when he saved Finn and Rose and the ATSC and just came and blasted him and like came forward, mm-hmm. I literally fist pumped in the theater. <laughs> I was so excited. And like that's, that is... You know, why I, I get that it might have been a little bit much for some people, but like that's the stuff I love about BB 8. That's what mm-hmm. makes him, you know, my favorite character in the movie. Um, so, all that said, um, I thought he was, thought yeah. he was pretty good. I don't know. I, I had the complete opposite reaction to that where I was just like, oh, come on. You know, my my level of BB-8 was like in Force Awakens where he does the little thumbs up to Finn and little, yeah. you know, things like that. Yeah, like, like what he did in the very first scene of the movie when he was helping Poe out with... Uh... Yeah. Yeah. 
I get that. Uh, and again, I could see why he was all, you know, he was maybe a little bit too much, uh, can do it all type mm-hmm. droid. But at the same rate, I think that fits very much with how the arc was played out. Be- because it was rushed or too much, they had to. Because they had these situations that these guys were put in, they had to get out of them. How do you get these characters out of these situations? Yeah. Uh, in a way that doesn't drag, but is kind of quick. It's like, okay, cool, let's just have BB-8 save the day. And, you know, that's... I can see how that can be... See, uh, I thought it was the code breaker at first who was doing it. Me, me like, too. Uh, and I, you know, I was like... I had no idea where BB-8 went, but when it was revealed to be BB-8, I was, I was very happy. But mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I think the Codebreaker DJ uh, Benicio del Toro's character, uh, I think he hopefully comes back in episode nine. Didn't get enough of to like he didn't get enough to show what he did. Yeah. And he also wasn't one of the characters that don't get enough, but it works for them. He's not like a uh, um, a Captain Phasma or a, uh, what's it called? The original one, that um, Boba Fett. Yeah. Yeah. He's not like those where like they, they look awesome and everyone loves them and they don't do anything in the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he's someone that they actually... Uh, they, they didn't really hype up at all. He just came in, he did his part, and acted really well across the board the movie like everyone did their part as best they could there was just a couple yeah parts that were a little bit lacking uh a little bit dragged i mean it was a really long movie um but mm-hmm. i thought it was really good um but whatever i do want to go back to the whole captain phasma thing though yes um as i've talked about many times before my favorite thing one of my favorite things in movies especially Star Wars, is the hype around it and uh-huh. all the toys and all the whatever. Like, I love Boba Fett, not because everyone, not the way everyone else does because they think it's a cool character. I love him because he was created solely to sell toys. <laughs> uh-huh. And I think that's why I also love characters like Captain Phasma, who, you know, Gwendolyn Christie comes in, gives five minutes of amazing screen time, and dies. Yeah. And I think that's perfect. That made me very happy. She had an awesome fight scene with with Finn. Got in, got out, sold a whole bunch of toys. I love it. Yep. I mean, that's also why I love the Porgs, who I thought were created just to, you know, make a whole bunch of money from kids. I did, however, learn that's not the case. Yeah, they were made to get a lot of money from you. No, well, yes, but... <laughs> and they did. Uh, this is actually a pretty interesting story. When they were on the island shooting all the stuff with Finn and Rey, uh-huh. they realized there were a lot of puffins on the island, like the bird puffin. And mm-hmm. they could have done one of three things. They could have kicked all these birds from their natural habitat, which would have been not good. Yeah. They could have CGI removed them all, which would have been very expensive. Or... They could leave them in and create these, like, the cutest bird fuzzy fluff balls ever 
and they did and it made me so happy like that's what they did like they had these things there it's like well let's not like ruin these animals lives let's just turn them into awesomeness and yeah it, yeah i love it i'm here for it they've been preserved forever in star wars they have and i also think they weren't annoying and that was yeah. a big concern of mine because sometimes like Ewoks can be annoying Jar Jar can be annoying with like the cute sidekick type characters and the Porgs were really just there as just nice accent pieces every now and then mm-hmm. no I think that what they did with the Porgs was was right on you know right where it needed to be in terms of it being enjoyable but not too much it didn't cross the line in the way that BB-8 did for me but yeah I mean, I again, I strongly disagree on the whole BB-8 thing. I love BB-8 more than like he's he's my favorite. I think he's my favorite Star Wars character. Full stop. Wow. I mean, I th- I think so. Even more than Jar Jar. Yes, even more than Jar Jar. <laughs> um. But yeah. Uh. However, re- transitioning from the Porgs, uh, the Porgs' new best friend, Chewie. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious. Uh, what what do you think of his role in the movie? I mean, he didn't really have one, as yeah. far as I could tell. Well, so when I saw the movie the first time around, mm-hmm. there was some stuff with Chewie and the Porgs that I didn't, or I thought they spent too much time with Chewie. I thought it was a little bit like they had to give him something to do. Because he, he literally, his only job was to be, uh, uh, was to be Ray's Uber driver. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's his role in the movie. And because he was there, they could just forget about him. So they gave him a whole bunch of stuff to do mm-hmm. with, uh, with the porks. Which, I mean, I guess if you're going to have to do something, that's probably not the worst choice. But yeah. um, I thought that the character was just... It was one of those things where it's they gave them a little bit too much. Either you flesh that out and make that a real thing, or you pare it back and make it just very small accent type thing. Like they did with R2. I think they did R2 amazing. He yeah. was popped up maybe two times in the movie and was extremely powerful in both times. So mm-hmm. that's what I have to say about that. Um, now let's talk about... Uh, Go back to the ship. Uh, actually, you know what? We're on the island. We might as well talk about uh, the Ray and Luke stuff. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? I think it went on a little too long. Like, if there was anything in this movie I would have cut to make it a little crisper, I would have mm-hmm. shortened this and then the, the Finn and Rose stuff. But, you know, this was, I think... My, as an audience member, my most restless part of the movie, uh, mm-hmm. up until uh, Ray has that, you know, little fight with Luke, where he's like using the antenna as a weapon. Yeah, that was uh, cool. Because that was the first like real combat scene we had since the very first scene, and so well, yeah. when that happened, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, oh, this is what this movie's missing: action. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I agree. Could have used a little bit more fighting and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I think, again, and this is the one thing I thought plagued the movie, it either needs a little bit more or a little bit less. Everything's yeah. in like a weird mid zone where you can either flesh it out, and they had a lot more of it, but they had to cut it out because, like I said before, it was over three hours. Yeah. And they had to cut some stuff out. And it was not necessarily bad, but it also... Actually, I didn't think it was bad. It was all well done, really well acted. Oh, yeah. Um, But it was just not perfect, if that makes sense. Like, it, yeah. it, it needed more action to grab, you know the viewer's attention a little bit more because i mean again the majority of the movie is either uh like after that first fight it's a ship running away from the other ship well nothing happens to that ship it's ray on an island training and then it's uh finn and rose at a casino yeah and no action happens yeah it's three separate storylines all where you feel like nothing is happening yeah i mean the only actually the only action that does happen um is bb-8 but the thing with bb-8 is because he's a because he's partially cgi'd you can't show him you know destroying these three guards and like taping them up yeah I i think maybe throwing that in there would have had a little bit of you know action levity but and i i I understand we've talked a lot about some of this move about this movie's faults and stuff. I mean, I am also with you in my rating that I am conflicted, but I'm also still going to give it an eight out of 10. Yeah. Uh, it was a really good movie. And I think possibly, I mean, there was definitely some story problems, but just in terms of like scene to scene across the board, possibly the best directed star Wars movie ever. Oh yeah. And they, I think, but whatever, uh, I'll get, I'll get back to my big ideas, um, later, but I lost track. Oh no. Um, but I thought like all the stuff with Ray and Luke was, was Mm -hmm. good and was necessary. And I get the slow burn is a little bit tough, but actually we are talking about the mix between the action and the non-action there was another balance of things that people struggled with uh was the balance of comedy and non-comedy oh yeah what do you think of that um it was weird like the first arc half whatever of the movie felt weirdly over comedic in Mm -hmm. like you know after the trailers i was all ready for this like you know serious movie about you know the jedi dying off and you know yeah kylo and ray struggling both with the light and the dark and then you know the first scene is poe getting on hux's nerves by pretending to be on hold i love that by the way but yeah um see that is one of the things that uh the fanboys online have been complaining about I'm not calling you a fanboy, Ryan, because you're much better than that. But um, <laughs> thank you. 
Yes, it's you should you should accept that uh, as a okay. compliment. Um, but I actually thought it was extremely necessary. Mm-hmm. This movie, if you take out the comedy, is so depressing. So depressing. The uh, the rebels go from like this okay sized fleet down uh-huh. to I want to say thirty six people. Yeah. And that happens, and then there's all this, and it, it hope is lost. Uh, and what this movie does is by throwing in comedy and levity, it. Even if there isn't like like hope, you still got it. Like it still keeps spirits up. It still keeps you wanting to go forward and continue out with with this journey. If it's depressing on depressing, then it's gonna be a rough hang. No one wants to stay around for that. That would make the Finn and Rose stuff even worse. That would make just about everything be less good. Yeah. My problem was that it was very, like, one-sided. It was, like, lopsided because, like, the front half of the movie had a lot more uh, comedy to it than the second half did. And so if you're trying to keep a balance, you needed to have both going on throughout the whole movie. Whereas here, you know, when not much was happening, uh, they felt, or it felt like they were trying to keep it exciting by adding comedic parts Whereas later it was they were keeping it exciting by having lots of action. Yeah, I mean I think it was more when there is when there's very little hope, the comedy helps keep it afloat. Once they get to a point where an action happens and moves are being made and you know, things are going on, then I think it's a little bit less important. And also that's the those are more serious parts. I think making the very serious parts at the end you know, comedic would like regardless if it's a funny or like even if it's a comedy, if they had like a serious part at the end, just be overrun with comedy, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't work. Even if the movie all like throughout is just hilarious, when they get to the serious part, they you know don't take a break from comedy, but they lighten it up. And I think this movie had a lot of that serious stuff to do, so that's. I can see why people might think it was unbalanced. I just didn't think the comedy was too much. I thought comedy was desperately needed, and I thought it worked really well. Um, you know, they even had Carrie Fisher do touch-ups on the script. That's where a lot of the comedy came from. Ah, uh, because Carrie Fisher is a very funny person. I mean, I certainly agree with that. So that's I don't know. That's that's where I stand on on that that aspect. I, th- I thought they did a good job balancing it. Um. Yeah. All right. I I think it just compounded with the my my restlessness when things weren't happening that I was just more likely to get frustrated with yeah. the with the comedy when nothing was happening. So Yeah, I mean, I I think my problem my problem wasn't necessarily with the comedy, but I do agree that it did take a while to get going. Yeah. You know. So but once it did get going, if you want to move on to the next part of the I think the we movie. should. Yeah. All right. This next part of the movie, I think, is one of my favorite bits of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, there were lots of good moments. Um, as an audience member, there were 
a bunch of times where I was like, that, wow, that defied everything I expected. Yeah. Uh, which is what I really want out of a movie is to, you know, give me something I'm not ready for. Um, mm-hmm. Or to, to change directions on me. And this gave me, you know, three or four big moments like that. And so I enjoyed it very, very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. We're talking about the the last act, right? That's where we're moving yeah. on to. Yeah. Okay. Once they're on the ship, uh, Ray's on the 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 dreadnought or Snoke ship, whatever it's called. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Actually, you know, w- once. Yeah, I agree. Once Ray gets on the ship, uh, and the and Leia wakes up. Oh yeah. Actually, you know. Oh. Let, let Let's go back and talk about that for half a second. Yes. Because this is another thing that you had a problem with and I didn't. Right? Yeah. 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 Leia gets sucked out into the vacuum of space for a not insignificant amount of time. And yeah. then suddenly 30 seconds, her force yes. powers awaken and she is drawn back to the ship and then never has any force powers ever again. And it's never mentioned by anybody. Well, so here's where i differ from you i mm-hmm. you know from watching the original star wars i've all we all have always known that leia is force sensitive when she can have she has this connection with luke when he's on the other side of yeah the world and that carries on with this film and i think that isn't just from luke tethering over to leia it's from Leia herself having a little bit of Vader in her. And, like, if she can... If Vader is what makes her and then she makes Kylo Ren, she has to have a decent amount of force within herself. I think she just never harnessed it. I think if she spent years and years training like Luke did, then she probably would have been a little bit more forcey. So I get it why the scene was a little bit out of the blue. I just think that that moment, I think was just really powerful. I thought, I thought she was dead and especially clashing reality and fiction with the fact that Carrie Fisher is actually dead and that the character I thought was dead. I was like, Oh my God, this is not how I wanted her to go. Mm -hmm. And then she comes back and I just thought, while it may have looked maybe a little bit too magical, magical is what I wanted in that moment. Which so that's why it worked for me. I mean, my there's no doubt in my mind that you're right. You know, Leia's obviously force sensitive. She uh, there's no doubt that she has these powers. Yeah. And you know, as we've seen in you know in the extended uh, universe or whatever, you know she she becomes a full Jedi or whatever. But mm. the way like we've never seen her do anything remotely on this scale and i can see that being in a life-threatening situation would draw that out but then you have to commit to that and they just didn't well what do you mean by commit to it is she's now supposed to be like a lightsaber wielding you know space samurai Uh, i mean i mean that's one way to do it you know just her being more aware or even just anybody mentioning the fact that she did this thing 
would have been at least partway there, but it just felt like a complete, you know, uh, oh, we can't let her die yet because X, and no one mentioned the fact that we used a deus ex machina. Yeah. You know. I mean, I get it. I I think there's always a decent amount. Like, I, I think this movie has a bunch of deus ex machinas. And I think that also goes back, back to why you didn't love the BB-8 thing. Because mm-hmm. he was very much a deus ex machina throughout. Um, yeah. But I, I, I thought even if he was a deus ex machina in the weak part, he was the strongest aspect for me whatever that's enough of my ranting about why bb is the best thing ever um <laughs> I, I i think there were times when this movie needed some deus ex machina and i've seen things when those have really annoyed me mm-hmm. uh but it was i don't know it, it it worked it worked for me um but yeah whatever so before we go back to the ending that we were both raving about um, I do want to give shout out to uh, Admiral Akbar. Oh who, yes, who I think more so than not mentioning it again that that Leia has force powers was that Akbar just kind of was gone. Yeah, yep. Offhanded one line. We lost Admiral Admiral moment. Akbar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I mean, so this sad. was a trap. This was a trap. It was. Mm-hmm. It was a trap, but whatever um <laughs> yeah but so let's go back all right let's, let's go back to the uh third part the part that we actually you know before we do that we still haven't even talked about the first scene the, like the first we just talked about the middle and all the stuff we didn't like yeah we didn't talk about that first you know scene with the dreadnought and the x-wings and all that stuff yeah i thought that was incredible i thought that was really good it was really good i it was it had stakes like it was actually it was exciting. You could you could see them winning and beating the Dreadnought, and that was really exciting and fun. But also there was real stakes to it. Where characters that we've just met thirty seconds ago are dying, and we feel for them, especially that one character that turned out to be Rose's sister. Mm-hmm. She had a really powerful role in one minute of screen time, and I thought that was great. Um, thought it was great. I, thought, I also thought BB-8 again amazing in this scene like he uh and poe like poe was also awesome we also i understand we talked we talked a lot about our nitpicks because nitpicks are usually what makes for interesting discussions yeah but i thought poe was amazing during the scene i understand you had some had some things to say about the poe hux thing yeah but i mean that was minor i love that so i thought that was hilarious <laughs> like i was cracked and i think what this movie i think was missing mm-hmm. and i think this goes to the cult comedy aspect what this movie missed and this is the first movie that, first star wars movie earliest of the four through eight part of it uh-huh. the first star wars movie that didn't have it it's han solo that's true. He is a character that adds the levity, and because he wasn't there, they kind of had to s- spread the love, and that's probably go- gets to why it felt a little weird for you. Yeah. Does that make sense? Think, yeah, because Han Solo's type of levity 
you know fits well within the star wars universe and like poe's type of levity is different and it works because it's different uh as well and so i think partly it's me just getting used to a slightly different type of uh comedy Mm -hmm. yeah but you know I mean, I also yeah. think that that one particular part just went on too long, in my opinion. But yeah, and I, I, I thought it was, I, th- I thought that scene was hilarious. I wouldn't change it. Um, it was so great. I, I mean, like, was, I thought Poe was great. I also thought Donald Gleason playing the uh, easily angered Hux. I thought he was, he just played that scene perfectly, and mm-hmm. I, I was all in for that. Um, and. Also going back to the Han thing, I think Han as or Han makes Chewie a serviceable Uber driver. When Han's not there, Chewie doesn't really have anything to do. Chewie is Han's yeah. sidekick. When you take a side uh, a hero away from their sidekick, the sidekick. Yeah. I think that would have been something interesting to see, but you know we it didn't fit in the movie, so that makes sense mm-hmm. why they did. Whatever. Back to the first scene. I thought it was amazing. They beat up the Dreadnought. And something I realized second time around, even though Poe was reckless and got a lot of people killed, uh-huh. if he didn't do that, the movie would be over. Yeah, they would they have had a Dreadnought tracking. with them the whole time. They would have had a Dreadnought with them the whole time. They had a... Uh, and they had the tracking of their ship. So they would have been able to find them. Mm-hmm. That's and that's the end of the movie. Just yeah, one hyperspace jump away, then game over. Yeah. Oh, can we sidebar about the Empire okay. or the First Order still being dumb? Uh, you know, apart from all my yeah. other still engineering issues with them, but yeah, if you have a ship in front of you that you are trying to destroy that is going at a constant speed and you are going at a constant speed but you do not have fuel reserve problems can you go faster can you do a little hyperspace jump just to get in front of them you know just to trap them yes like is there yeah i i noticed that too i was yeah that's the thing that they did uh and could have i get it uh, but. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I understand from a story point, you need tension, you need time to let things happen. But like, come on, the first yeah. order could have won that I've... in ten minutes. They could have. They really could have. Um, but you know what? That makes for a boring movie. So that's true. I am fine with a little bit of plot holes as long as it works for the story. Um, yeah. Other people clearly are not, but you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm not even counting that as a complaint. No, and, and, and by it's other people, I'm note. not talking about you, because um, uh, it's the th- after we're done talking about the movie, I'll do the whole. I'll we'll go into the whole thing about the Rotten Tomato scores because that's yeah, that's a conversation in itself. But um, yeah, let's go forward. Ash, I don't want to get to the the last part. Again, because there's also one moment, the scene right before we get to that last part, I think that uh-huh. the hyperspace jump into the third act, I think, is possibly the best moment of the movie. When what are you I'm referring, referring to? I'm referring to the 
to the jump itself when Laura Dern saves everyone. We talked oh. about it for half a second in the beginning, but yes, that moment that saved everyone. Mm-hmm. the The moment itself was, you know, fine. Um, but or like the like story wise, the moment was fine, but uh-huh. visually and how they played with no sound. Oh when yeah, it just that's a moment where you could hear an audible gasp throughout the theater. Mm-hmm. And it was so, it was so beautifully shot or CGI or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and just so well executed. I just, I really like that moment. Yeah. You know, they, the visual for that, like you said, there was no sound. It was just kind of black. And then this bright streak across, you know, the ship. And it was, it was yeah. really, really beautiful. It was great. You know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know, I also have nitpicky things about that, but I think they can be explained away, so I won't bother getting into them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as I say that, and, you know, I, we keep pushing back talking about the third act, but because the third act is great and we really should end on it. We have completely mm-hmm. not talked about at all the whole thing with Ray and Kylo Ren. Oh yeah. Or Ben Solo. We talked all about like the Ray and Luke stuff. We didn't talk about like the psychic connection that they had where they could see each other. Mm-hmm. Uh that whole thing that what were your thoughts on that? I think it was a really good both both as like a story device mm-hmm. and just a an expansion of like things that the force can be can do uh, which in this movie we saw a lot of new things that you can do with the sport with the force mm-hmm. um but i think that was that was a really good way to like get them talking and like sow the seeds in both of them of mm-hmm. this conflict between you know the light and the dark and uh you know what the jedi means to them and things like that yeah uh, so i like that a lot yeah this there was i i thought the the projection stuff was really awesome uh or not awesome because i i actually thought it was weird when i first saw it. i was like I was very confused because it's yeah it's straight out of like an art house film thrown into Star Wars, and mm-hmm. it took me a second to adjust. You know, I was like, "Oh, this is this is happening." Okay, okay, cool. I'm cool with it. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then I was cool with it, and then we saw Kylie without a shirt on, and <laughs> <laughs> you were less cool with it. <laughs> yeah, I was fine with it. He can do him. He looks fine. Uh, <laughs> did make Ray uncomfortable, but yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I thought all that stuff was really good, and I think that also helped uh, propel that story forward. Because this Adam Driver, I mm-hmm. want to say in this movie, gave the best acting performance we've seen in Star Wars to date. Not my favorite role, 
or anything like that. But like in terms mm-hmm. of acting, I think what he did in The Last Jedi possibly is the best acting we've seen in Star Wars. I agree. I think yeah, he was definitely the best of this movie. I'd have to go back and rewatch some of the other ones, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's the type of thing where uh, in, in this movie where. Or in Star Wars, it's known as a relatively cheesy franchise, or at least through the first two trilogies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know where, you know, Luke, in the first, in his first three appearances, were was a very cheesy type character. Um, and you know, Han Solo is great, but that's just Harrison Ford being Harrison Ford. Yeah, and like I don't think there was any like really great gripping performances. Adam Driver in this movie, I think, just acting-wise, killed it. Oh, yeah. So And he, his character, I think, gave him a lot of potential to do that as well. Yeah. You know, it's hard to do what he did if you don't have that opportunity, but he he knocked it out of the park, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So he was great. But the culmination of all this stuff with him and Ray comes down to when Ray goes to the uh goes to snoke's ship um mm-hmm. to confront kylo and try to turn him to the light side yeah uh and we get this was, a, was such a good scene like f- from beginning to like when she's in the elevator with kylo to throughout the whole fighting it is really interesting and i think the biggest reveal of the movie that we mm-hmm. were going to skip over entirely. Uh, and I'm just realizing we've almost forgot to talk about it was race parentage. Yeah. They dropped that on us. Uh, so apparently race parents were no one. What do you think of yeah. that? Is I'm, do you like it? I, I, for I like against? it. Totally for, I think, you know, you know, Adam Driver kept or Kylo Ren kept shouting about, you know, killing the past or whatever. Yeah. And he as, you know, his lineage really ties him to the past and to the rest of the Star Wars franchise. Yes. And Ray doesn't. And so I think it's a good way for f- the franchise to move forward, but also you know, they were talking about how uh, or Snoke was talking about how when uh, as Kylo got stronger you know there was going to be an equal equally strong person on the light side to, to yeah I mean this fight was... him mm-hmm. and I think having that come from nowhere is a perfect opposite to to him and his lineage yeah and I, I this movie I think mini side note before I just was saying this movie was filled with balance. They had BB-8, they had BB-9E, they had, uh, they had Kylo and Rey, they had Snoke, and they had Luke. They mm-hmm. had, you know, they had Finn and Phasma. They, like, across the board, they had yeah. these, they, they, they had, like, this. the movie was all about balance. And I mm-hmm. think they did that really well. And then going to, you know, this last scene with Rey and Kylo and lear- learning Rey's parentage, I think it works uh i think i didn't necessarily 
I mean, I thought going into this movie that Star Wars and the or the main Star Wars franchise mm-hmm. is about family. It's about like the Skywalker story. It's all about you know Luke, Leia, yeah. Kylo Ren, Darth Vader. They're all family. Uh huh. And I was going into this movie thinking, well, okay, this Ray or it's either going to reveal Ray's past or not, and I thought Ray would fit into the grand scheme of things. Um, yeah. And when they didn't, at first I was like, that feels a little cheap. I wanted to, you know, I this has been a mystery. I wanted to know what, what this was from. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't like it at first. But then after thinking about it, because I thought about this movie a lot, like just a whole bunch of, but after thinking about just this one part about her parents and it the more and more I thought about it I was like well that's it just got more and more smart and it made sense and it just worked really well for uh, for the story and I usually judge movies based on first view experience like when I watch it the first time if I walk away super excited super happy mm-hmm. then then I know that that was a great movie. That's how I felt when I left Thor. That's how I felt when I left Coco. Yeah. This one, I was a little bit more, you know, I was a little bit iffy on, but just... You're a little more conflicted on this one. I, I was conflicted, and, like, I still really liked the movie. There was just some stuff that I wasn't sure about, and even when I saw the movie again, there was other stuff that I was unsure about. It's I'm constantly thinking about everything going on in this movie, and... yeah. Like, I'm not sure if I like anything or if I love it. Like, if, if I don't like everything or if I love everything, or it's just I am always just back and forth. There's, which I think also works kind of well with the theme of the movie where it's about balance. And I think my conflicting thoughts kind of put me in a state of balance where I, it's, it's just, a, it's a new experience that I've had from, you know, a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. And I think for Ray's parents I it works now I think it's a really smart idea and I think that's something that it'll be really interesting to see where they go forward with it uh, in the next movie but you know it's it was good I like it so yeah do you think there's a chance you know because uh Kylo Ren only knew that because you know when they touched hands or whatever they saw the future you know and that was a creation of Snoke that it's not actually true. I also thought that that was potentially a, like it was a setup to be like flipped later. Mm-hmm. I think that wouldn't be the smart choice. I think that would, that, that, that would seem kind of cheap because yeah. after I saw it the first time, that's actually what I thought was going to happen. That in episode nine, you would get a reversal uh-huh. But then after watching it for the second time, I was like, that's final. Kylo Ren didn't tell Rey who her parents were. Mm-hmm. Rey told Kylo. She told him that her parents were no one. That's true. And I think that that moment and a lot of the stuff, you know, with that with that arc would be diminished if they walk back on it. Yeah. So that's that's my thinking on 
on all of that stuff. But mm-hmm. no, I I agree. I think it would be a mistake to go back on it. Yeah. But I think they it's slightly vague enough that if they really wanted to, they might be able to pull it off. Yeah. And I, 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 I think they they could. And uh, if they wanted to and they did it well, I'm mm-hmm. not going to complain. They do it yeah. poorly. Like, they just kind of walk back and, like, they say, oh, never mind. That's not the case. You actually had special parents. And then they did a whole thing. Then I was like, eh. But if they if they do it well, and I don't know how to do it well, uh, but J.J. Abrams is a smart guy. So if that's what he wants to do. Yep. By all means. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then, all right, so now let's get to the fight scene on on the ship. With... Yeah. Well, even before the fight scene, Ray meets Snoke. Yes. Uh, and Snoke is a creepy dude. Yeah. Can we talk about Snoke for a while? Sure thing. Because Snoke... We still have no idea who he is, and yeah. now he's also dead, so we're probably not going to ever find out. Yes. You know, I... Do, do you have a problem with that? There's a big gap between you know, the last trilogy and this trilogy yeah. that I had hoped to find out about, and now we're probably not going to. Unless the next movie really delves into backstory, but I don't see why it would. Mm-hmm. You know, like I understand, you know, because they talked about the, you know, uh, if there was, you know, Luke on the good side, there had to be someone to rise up on the dark side to be his equal. But where he came from or how he became, you know, the yeah. supreme leader of the First Order. It, you know, and all that is just completely not mentioned at all. And, you know, considering that the last trilogy was supposed to be, you know, at least in theory, you know, the, uh, you know, Darth Vader or Anakin fulfilling his prophecy and destroying the Sith forever. And then uh, there's just more Sith, don't question it sort of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd really like to know more about Snoke. And I'm sad. I don't think we're ever going to get it. So here is my question to you. Mm-hmm. What do we know about Emperor Palpatine uh, before the first trilogy? Like, did they go into his background in the first trilogy? Did they, did they do anything like that? Do we know his backstory? Do people want to know his backstory other than being this guy that can shoot a le- you know, lightning from his fingers? No, and I mean, you're right, but they did ultimately go back and tell his backstory. Yeah. People wanted to know more about Darth Vader's backstory, so it was more about him, but we, you know, we saw the rise of the Sith in that way. Yeah, but, you know, but let me ask you this question, just in response to what you just said about them eventually getting to it. Uh, you've seen the prequels, right? Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> like, even if they do it it just is it necessary to the story like it, it's interesting i mean 
I think that maybe what they do is put that into like a comic. So I don't think we need a trilogy about it. I think just a couple of sentences would have been nice. I mean, like, I, I, I I think kind of like how they explain uh, C-3PO's red arm. I think they're going to do the same in like one of the comics. They're going to give that because they're making these Marvel comics that are canon. So mm-hmm. I think it would make sense to have all of that be there um, rather than belabor the movie because I think it, it wouldn't add enough to make it worthwhile, I don't think. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't want a lot. I just want like, you know, Kylo Ren mentioning how he met Snoke or how Snoke found him or, you know, something like that. Well, that was explained. No, they say you know it's... Luke says you know Snoke already had turned him. Yeah, and that's kind of it. No, but I think Snoke, or my guess is Snoke pulled what he what ray and kylo did like that it was something like that where they can like that's my guess i don't know and i i also think that the explanation for it is a lot more in depth than just a couple sentences and then you'd have to flesh that out into a thing to make it worthwhile and then even that wouldn't might not be worthwhile if it's just Mm -hmm. backstory i get where you're coming from it is something that i would be interested in knowing but i don't think making it into or like forcing it into the movie would have made sense does that make sense Mm, i don't know i don't think it would have been forcing it because you know after the last movie you know a lot of people wanted to know more about snoke and you know i i was certainly one of them and i know everyone i talked to was one of them i mean i I, but i was too but one of the big parts of this movie is leaving the past behind. That's mm-hmm. all Kylo was talking about. Yeah. Um, Ryan, here's my advice to you. <laughs> Leave the past uh-huh. behind. It, the, this movie was talking all about how the past doesn't matter. It's what's going to come next. It's how we move forward. And I think mm-hmm. by killing Snoke without giving that backstory, kind of like Ray not having real parentage, is is they're not having important parents it's the same thing it's the same reasoning and i think it works for me um i i think it's you don't give that explanation because it's not necessary it's the past it's gone now it doesn't matter uh-huh. what's going to happen next and that's i think where i that that's where i stand on it i mean yeah, like it doesn't matter to the story, but it matters to the audience. I think is the the difference here. Yeah, and I and I also think that is, and we'll get into this conversation a little bit more. What is the responsibility of these filmmakers to make these movies for the audience? Mm-hmm. Do they have to make these films for the audience? Do they have to make? Is there a responsibility to make it? a movie that checks all of the audience's boxes or is a responsibility to make the best movie possible i think uh if you make the best movie possible it'll check off enough boxes that uh, it'll be fine yeah uh and i I and i think that's what ryan johnson did um there's 
if you focus too much on fan service, then you get, frankly, you get the prequels. Yes. That's when you're trying to answer all these backstory questions that everyone has, you just get exposition on exposition mixed in with some CGI lightsaber fights and a delightful mm-hmm. Gungan. So, I mean, yes, I don't think that a few sentences would have been the difference between this and the prequels though. You're you're right. You are right. However, I don't know where they would have fit those sentences in. I mean, Snoke had a big monologue. I could see, you know, him just saying, "I built this, you know, Sidious had me hidden away and when he died, I built the first order and, you know, Kylo, you need to obey me, whatever." That, you know, something like that. I guess that that makes sense. I don't know. Uh, I mean, that's not how I would do it, and I think I, I would probably agree with Ryan Johnson on this one. But I, Mm -hmm. I see where you're coming from. I see where uh, all the Star Wars fans are coming from with wanting to know more about about Snoke. That being said, I think it would make for a lesser movie. I think, you know, it's definitely, I agree it's not relevant to the next movie, for example. Maybe not even even a lesser movie. It would have been, like, a lesser monologue. It could have dragged if they forced in that backstory. It could have, there's, and there's a chance that Ryan Johnson had the backstory that he explained, and they cut it out because it just wasn't working. Mm -hmm. Frankly, that would be my guess, that they had it, and they just cut it because they didn't have you know the time yeah but, i wouldn't be surprised if that was the case yeah so all right um but yeah so kylo ren kills snoke mm-hmm. uh using the force which is really cool yeah. yeah that was a great moment yeah where he's he confronts his whole thing about killing the past that's why he killed han solo his dad and the and the force awakens that's why he's getting rid of snoke he's becoming his own person Mm-hmm. Uh, and when he takes out Snoke, that means the Red Samurai Ninja Warriors that are sitting on the side can come and <laughs> have yeah. an awesome two-on-five, I think, fight scene. More than that. Was I it think. six? Two-on-six? Two I on think seven? it was six. Yeah, okay. Regardless, it was cool. It, it was, was really cool. It was really cool. Um, you know, I was listening to a couple podcasts talk about it where they were saying this was the best fight scene in star wars mm-hmm. um i don't know if i would necessarily agree with that but i also wouldn't disagree if that makes sense yeah no I, it's definitely definitely up there i think i would agree that it's the best at least jedi fight scene yeah in star wars yeah you know I'll, i i I'd pro- i would probably agree that it's the best jedi fight scene because at least in the original trilogy they just didn't do that much. It was a lot of like slow, methodical, whatever. Yeah. Um, in the prequels, they probably had some cool stuff, um, but I think we kind of all forgot about that. I mean, I'm pretty sure that yeah. the Darth Maul versus um, Obi Wan and uh, Liam Neeson was. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that that would probably be up there. The Yoda versus I don't know. Like I don't remember the prequels enough. I tried watching yeah, the same. literally on the Friday after I watched. 
uh, this movie for the first time. I was like, you know what? I want to watch all the Star Wars movies. Let me start with one. I popped in the Phantom Menace. 15 minutes <laughs> later, I turn off my computer and I go do something else. <laughs> yep. It is a real, it's, it's rough. Like, I've seen mm-hmm. it before and I enjoyed it. And I think the movie probably gets better once we actually get to Anakin. It was, but. Yeah. It is not the greatest movie no. ever. Um, but yeah, no, because I did the same thing that you did uh, back when Force Awakens came out. I was like, oh, let me rewatch all of the Star Wars movies. And I watched The Phantom Menace. And boy, howdy, did I not watch the next one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the thing is, I know two is better than one and three is better than two. Mm-hmm. And if I hung it out, it would have gotten better and it would have been more enjoyable. I just never wanted I just I didn't want to watch the rest of one. That was really it. It was just <laughs> But yeah. whatever. Um yeah, so but whatever. Awesome fight scene. Uh and it worked the scene works really well for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. The red on the red backdrop is perfect. Yes. Because when you cut these people in half, they're wearing red. It doesn't show blood. You can keep it PG thirteen. <laughs> it's I mean We've already established uh, lightsabers cauterize wounds as they make them, so it's fine. That is, they don't bleed anyway. That is true, but this fight scene was allowed to be a little bit more brutal because mm-hmm. they can, like it, it, they can go like full on decapitation, whatever, yeah. because they were in a situation where it made sense. Yeah. So, it, it was an awesome fight scene. Uh, and they won spoilers mm-hmm. um but then they get to the part where kylo has to confront where ray and kylo confront each other like what yeah do we do How- this is probably my favorite moment in the movie uh mm-hmm. where you know kylo does the you know join me and together we can rule the galaxy thing uh, because mm-hmm. it lingered long enough and the music was just right and they had took the time to put the doubt in both the audience in the audience's mind that I wanted Ray to accept that and I you wanted did. her I did really? because then the, the next movie would have been Luke against Kylo and Ray and I think that would have been a really interesting story to tell. That would, ooh, I think that is a really interesting story. That being said, um, I'm not sure Mark Hamill wanted to do another one. Yeah, no, I I could I see think, that. I I I think he didn't want to do it, but then Harrison Ford signed up to do Episode Seven, which said, "Fine, I'll do one." So he did one, and uh, mm-hmm. there we have it. Um, and. The one thing that I'm upset about is that this movie set up perfectly that the next movie would have a very strong role from Carrie Fisher, but mm-hmm. not anymore. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's the most heartbreaking part about it because that was going to be Carrie Fisher's movie. And not, I'm also saying that this movie, she did an amazing... like She had a very strong role in this movie and she was... Perfect. I just I think she also was going to have a big role in the next movie, and I would have liked to see it. But now they have yeah. to do something different, and I am interested in I, what they do. But I think they were going to kill off one of each of the the original 
you know, Trinity, they killed Han in the first one. They killed uh, Luke in the second one. They were going to kill off uh, Leia in the, the last one. I don't, even, I don't even know if they were going to kill off Leia in the last one. They could have let her retire or, into the sunset. Um, but, you know, it. I, 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 I do get what you mean. Because I, mm-hmm. I think Leia was going to be in all three originally, but they're gonna make it work. I, I, you know, and J.J. Abrams, I trust. So, yep. Um, but yeah. Uh, all right. So we we have, uh, and also, I agree with you about the scene. It was really powerful, uh, where Kylo's trying to convince Ray. I wasn't necessarily rooting for that, just because I didn't think of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's also while that would have been interesting, it's I don't know if that was net, you know that that would be the movie I would tell. And also, if that's what, how they went, we wouldn't have the third act. Yeah. Um, no, I, you go ahead. I agree. It probably would have been out of character. Would not have been. It would have messed up you know everything else in the story. But yeah. just th- that idea had come to me of that would be the next story, and you'd have these two leaders who are both conflicted and you know luke as this also conflicted you know beacon of the jedi trying to fight them and yeah you know, that would have been a compelling story to tell yeah and and i think it would have been um and i mean i'm yeah that's just not the what we're going to get and i think that's fine uh i would yeah. I, I would have liked to see it but i also want to see what happens next so it's Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that movie, that moment was great when they ripped apart Luke's lightsaber, caused a big oh, yeah. explosion. Uh, not as big, however, as what happens next, um, which we talked about <laughs> the, the whole light speed jump, exploding ship, um, yes, type thing. Yeah, but breaking the lightsaber was a good metaphor. Yeah. Um, I mean, yet, and, yet another way to leave past, leave behind the past. Mm-hmm. You know, it does leave a question in my mind as to, you know, Kylo knew that Luke's lightsaber was broken. So then when he confronted Luke later at the in the final bit, why didn't he realize? Uh, I, I also did not realize. Uh, I mean, I didn't realize until just now. But. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just it's there's a couple things in that last scene, uh, which I think probably now is a good time to transition over to the ending, mm-hmm. that gives little clues that Luke isn't actually there. Yeah, like the lightsaber, like his haircut and beard go back to a normal tamed amount. Yeah, I noted um, that. You know, so I think all that, but or that mm-hmm. uh, my brother pointed out that the uh that luke doesn't leave any red streaks on the ground either when he walks i didn't notice that that's a good mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. Wait, w- which brother i want to give him pops that was kyle nice job kyle um yeah so that's yeah so there's lots of stuff with uh with that but um yeah all all that stuff on on the planet first time around i didn't like it because I thought the movie should have been over by then. I thought the movie already ended. I was confused mm-hmm. why they had a whole separate thing going on. The second time yeah. I saw it, 
uh it became my favorite part of the movie uh-huh um you know this was definitely my favorite part as well yeah um i, I thought everything about it was just so star wars like mm-hmm. it's a really interesting smart new planet with an interesting new terrain which it seems like everything's covered in snow yeah but it's but... just salt and like there's it leaves behind this red stuff or this red salt and it's just so beautiful and they also have new characters that exist and like like these new creatures um in like the glitter creep mm-hmm. the what were they called i don't, I I don't know forget. What they um the critters. crystal foxes oh, the, the, the crystal critters that's what finn called them <laughs> um yeah and like it's had that it had and it had wars um mm-hmm. and like the whole fight with just the lineup of uh of empire ATATs and ships and with the yeah. with the mini death star um and it was it was that was really well done they were stuck mm-hmm. they had they got the message out no one was responding but they had to hold them off and they went into these speeders that were really old but like captured classic star wars and they mm-hmm. just them coming out to attack the ships and like the weird like with the streaks and then it gets all squiggly and so beautiful yeah. it's just going back to to what i said earlier with ryan johnson and even i forget who this i should know who the cinematographer is because he he or she deserves uh props on oh, yeah. on this movie absolutely with what they did because it was just beautiful and so well done and filled with action uh finn uh almost sacrifices his life which would have which uh actually let's talk about that for half a second so they get yeah. there and they are called off and finn is close enough where he has a shot to stop this you know mm-hmm. thingy and he goes for it then rose saves him yeah uh, should Finn have died? Should he have finished his run? Should he have saved the day? Um, I don't think so. I think they did the right thing, uh, because we had Poe's whole arc was him starting out as the cavalier person and then yeah. becoming more of a leader, a little more cautious and not willing to make sacrifices. Yeah. Um, and so he needed that moment where he could tell Finn not, you know, not to go. And, uh, I think Finn, like they did a really good job of selling you on that. Finn was going to do it. Yeah. And that, I th- think. that also completes Finn's arc. Cause like he was in the beginning of the movie running away. He was a coward. And then yeah, at the end of the movie, he was sacrificing himself for the cause. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, it would have added stakes. That was the argument for why he should have gone. Yeah. However, I don't think so because he's a great role player to have on your team. Like picturing, you know, Star Wars as like a sports team is viewing. You have all these characters that you can do so much with. Why get rid of Finn 
if he can just in the next movie come off the bench, which it kind of was in this movie, um, and just play a big part. Yeah. And he's great. John Boyega is great. I think giving him a lesser role in this movie than killing him off would have been a waste of his character. Yeah. You know, and you know, going to to their their both their character arcs I think having Finn survive and then having everyone get away uh, was the best way to complete that to kind of show that, you know, being cautious and not making sacrifices isn't the only way for everyone to get away. Or making sacrifices isn't the only way to get away. Yeah. I I agree. Uh, and like w- what Rose said in that moment that they're going to win not by... I'm going to botch this quote. They're going to win not by fighting what we hate, but win by saving what we love. I think that's a really strong, powerful line that I think ultimately wasn't ruined, but that kiss was weird for me. It was like, I think I get that she's almost dead and Finn was surprised by it, but Mm -hmm. it's, I didn't think it was necessary. I, I didn't either. I think like a kiss on the cheek probably would have, I think, done it would have been much better for me. But that's I don't want to nitpick about this one small thing. It's that's just not how I would do it. And are they mm-hmm. is that going to be a romantic relationship in the in the next one? I thought we were shipping Finn and Ray, not yeah Finn. Also, I by the way, I was not shipping Finn and Ray. I uh, was against the sexualization of the Jedi. Uh, which is what episode nine is going to be called. Uh, so, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh-huh. But no, um, I, uh, yeah, it's, but I just think that Finn and Rose, they had great chemistry together, but not sexual chemistry, like friendship chemistry. And I think that's where they should have left it, but you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, I as long as we don't get a dumb love triangle next movie, I'll be fine. If they do a smart love triangle and make it work, then fine. But it's I have been let down many times with love triangles. Yeah, so we will see. Um, But yeah, uh, so then after Finn's heroics, uh, guess who comes to save the day? Uh, Luke. Yay. Uh, or should we say uh, Astral Projection Luke? Mm-hmm. Um, which that's not what they call it yeah. in this movie, but they call that that's what they call it in Doctor Strange and you know what? That's what I'm <laughs> going to go with because it's a catchy <laughs> Close name. Enough. It's a catchy name and it works. Um, but yeah, uh, we get that fight scene where he comes out and Kylo is on a ship it's like, kill him and they send a whole bunch of bullets and stuff and like just stop you probably killed him by now and you know what yeah. luke isn't dead and yeah he was... the the brush of the shoulder was just a fantastic moment yeah that i i mean i think that's it it, it worked it's very mark hamill um mm-hmm. and i thought that was great uh and then kylo comes and takes things into his own hands and uh we get, I think the best, one of the best Luke fight scenes. I think 
Oh, Luke's yeah. two Luke's two best fight scenes in the entire franchise came in this movie. The one with him against Rey, and then the one with uh, him and Kylo. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, which is saying a lot, considering that Luke spent most of this fight scene with Kylo dodging and pretending to do things, but not actually doing them. Yeah. It was, it was really cool. And that, well, so when this was happening, I realized, I didn't realize the lightsaber until probably like two thirds through the fight after Mm -hmm. I noticed that his hair was different. And when I noticed his hair was different, I was like, hmm, something's not right. Then I thought, you know what? He's 100% going to force ghost him. He's going to pull pull an Alec Guinness, pull an Obi-Wan, and mm-hmm. do the thing where, you know. And he even said the line. Oh, yeah. Strike me down in I, fear, I, and uh, I will stay with you. Something like that. I don't know. It begins yeah. with strike me down uh, in fear. That's that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, that that moment uh, where you know I think most of us were expecting him to do the Obi Wan thing, mm-hmm. uh, where you know Kylo Ren will swipe at him and then he disappears and becomes a Force ghost or whatever. Yeah, um, that was like one of many examples in this movie of them uh, directly playing with the audience's expectations yeah. of the last trilogy and then completely subverting them. You know, because, like, we saw a shot of uh, the X-Wing on the island. And mm-hmm. I know I at least thought, and I know many other people have thought that, oh, they're going to make Ray lift it up out of the water. Or, um, you know, the, uh, just like, uh, Kylo Ren's moment where he said, join me and together we can rule the galaxy. Things like that. Where they make these references and then go a completely different direction. And yeah, you know, that is why I love this movie so much. Yeah, and it, it it really worked, and you know, and I think there's also going back to the thing about balance. Uh, Luke's death versus Han's death is just a perfect description of balance in itself, because Han was in anger and in defeat, mm-hmm. and then Luke's was like he won, he he beat Kylo, he was able to achieve his goal. It was. And it, 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 it was a nice balance uh, between mm-hmm. the two. Uh, so I, yeah. like, I like that. And then, it was very well done. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so then uh, Luke's, da- Luke's dead and Kylo uh, realizes that everyone is gone and everyone hops on the Millennium Falcon. Uh, Porgs and all. Um, and yeah, it was, and that's the actual ending. That's the movie. Yeah. And, uh, like I said, great movie. We give it an eight out of 10. Um, mm-hmm. there's lots of parts that I'm conflicted on as evidenced by the first half of this podcast where it seemed like you were trashing it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's but. so much good stuff to gain from to get from it that it's mixed in with this stuff that we are conflicted and i think what this movie does Mm -hmm. is it takes a lot of big swings 
and hits a lot of big swings. Yeah. I think it had some of the best Star Wars moments, like from any film. Mm-hmm. But where I am conflicted is it also had some of the lesser. Like it was, it it was long and it was for a stretch is kind of boring. But yeah, when it, it took these big swings, when um, when uh, Laura Dern saved the day, when for me when BB-8 saved the day, or when uh, Luke Skywalker saved the day, uh, <laughs> uh, or who else saved the day? Um, f- again, for me, when Leia uh, had her magical force moment, you know, mm-hmm. I could see that missing for a lot of people, but it worked for me. Like, it took a lot of these big swings, and it hit on a lot of them, and I think that definitely the most interestingly directed uh, Star Wars film, and I think in some of these moments with these big swings, definitely the best one, but... Yeah. You know, I think... um... Oh, I wanted to know what you thought of the Yoda scene. Oh, yeah, we totally forgot to talk about that. Um, First time around... Mm Mm-hmm. I think I was just conf- not confused, but I didn't really know if it was necessary or cheesy or what it was. It just didn't work first time. Second time around, I liked it more, and Yoda was Yoda, and I was very happy with it. But it was yeah. Where do you stand? I really liked that scene. Okay. Um, I think it was like the kind of like the humor level I was looking for but also in like a really serious scene. Um, And I think it was good to have, you know, to see Luke struggling to be the, the Jedi master and to be the teacher and then to have his master and his teacher show up. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think was powerful. Yeah. I think on top of that, this is also another one of those scenes that I was a little bit confused about, at first but i came around on it because this scene is also he mimics the theme of getting rid of the past Mm -hmm. he burns down the jedi temple and all the sacred texts that apparently not are paint that are apparently not our page turners i was (laughs) saying that wrong was about to correct myself i figured you know what let me finish it i'll sound like yoda and uh (laughs) close enough page turners they are not is the correct phrasing from mm-hmm. the movie um but yeah i mean it's it although it didn't necessarily work at first it was i got around to liking the scene um mm-hmm. so that is what i thought of that yeah but also in the same balance motif you know having the the tree of the jedi on the same island as this pit of darkness with the mirror you know. yeah Actually, let's take a, a quick tangent. I, I didn't get... That was the one part of the movie that I just didn't get. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a little too artsy-fartsy for me. Yeah, I think... Like, I... It harkens back to when Luke was studying and he had a, a cave scene as well uh, where, you know, he felt called to go into this cave and confront... Uh, 
you know, in confront darkness and he, he saw, you know, Darth Vader and it, you know, ended up being him. And so I think it's supposed to kind of harken back to that, but twist it and change it because Luke saw ultimately who his father was and Ray wanted to see who her parents were and then didn't. Yeah. That's true. That is true. So, but it was a weird it was visually cool, but it was a weird plot slash learning device for Ray. Yeah. It, it, I mean it, it was interesting and again that's one of those big swings that for me didn't hit, but I could see work for other people. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Um, now I think is t- unless there's any other points we need to talk about uh, from the like plot points from the movie we need to talk about itself. I need to ask you, where uh-huh. does this rank in your Star Wars list? Uh, the big question. Yes. It's hard to say because I haven't seen a lot of the movies recently. It was definitely above Rogue One and above force awakens mm-hmm. um i think i would put it fourth behind the original trilogy okay um yeah just because of the the way it dragged on in the beginning it needed some more a heavier hand on the editing mm-hmm. but yeah if it had been heavier on the second part of the movie and less on the the middle part i think it would have been probably my favorite yeah i i also have it in a very similar spot uh however different order um Mm -hmm. i think as i've said before the force awakens is my favorite star wars movie Mm -hmm. um i mean i know i've told you this i don't know if i said it on the podcast but i love the force awakens it's very much an arrow movie uh, yeah. where it's filled with like the fun humor and BB-8 is amazing and uh, I will I love like Finn at his best is I you know my favorite non-droid mm-hmm. um, and that's number one on my list then A New Hope then uh, so The Last Jedi has been jumping up and down at times it has been tied with this movie and other uh-huh. times it has been lower. But number three, I'm going to say, is Empire. And then number uh-huh. four, I'm going to say, is The Last Jedi. And number five is uh, Return of the Jedi. Okay. Uh, with it probably being a little bit closer to Return. Just because that's just what I like. And yeah, I think that's my yeah. list. Um, so yeah. Cool. So sounds good to me i think sounds great to me so do you have any concluding points about star wars or should we move on to our christmas special i think we should move to our special christmas present for all four of our listeners yep that's you kyle um (laughs) yeah so uh for you you're going to start a brand new tradition uh Mm -hmm. olaf was looking for them we found one. <laughs> uh, what we are going to do is we are going to every year, right around the New Year's, everyone does their superlatives, 10 best movies, whatever. We are going to make 
And also because it's Christmas time, we're going to make the nice list and the naughty list. We're going to choose our five of our favorite things that deserve to make the list uh, mm-hmm. and two of our least favorite things that deserve to make the naughty list. And this list was kind of like a Hall of Fame, so like the best... So like it, it helps immortalize, at least in our minds, some of our favorite things that happened this year, uh, things that deserved it. So, Ryan, you ready to start? Yep. So, for the the nice list, do we want to start with the nice list or the naughty list? Um, let's start with the with the the naughty list, uh, just because we can end on a good note, on a happy note. Okay, I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to go and claim the easy one for my naughty list. Uh, Harvey Weinstein, who deserves to be on every naughty list. Who who sexually assault other people. Stop Mm -hmm. it. Don't don't sexually assault people. All right. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. That's he, he deserves a nice spot on that list. Yep. Okay, um, so for my first on the naughty list, I decided to go less um, political uh, and just choose, <laughs> I think, the one of the worst TV shows that I watched all of ever. Uh-huh. And I don't know why I watched all of it, and it never got better, and it's probably never going to happen again. And by that I mean season two, uh, The Inhumans. Oh. Real rough hang. Is there season two? I certainly hope not. Okay. Uh, it's, I mean, it's annoying that they ruined those characters for uh, the MCU. However, yeah. luckily, they just got a whole bunch more uh, to play with, so they don't really need them. Um, yep. So thank you, X-Men, and thank you, Fox. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Inhumans, naughty list. Yep. All right. My naughty list is... I guess tangentially similar to that. Um, the the writers for the Marvel's Agents of Shield TV show, mm-hmm. not be, not that the next the most recent season is bad or anything, but just because they continue to take Fitz and Simmons and take them apart, despite the fact that they clearly need a break and to just spend some time together, and they're the best couple on TV. Yeah, I am not going to argue that. Uh, for the naughty list and I think for this half of a year uh, or it makes sense and I also would probably say the first episodes of the season have been bad however the last episode of the uh, fourth season the episode that just came out on Friday uh, mm-hmm. with the 22nd they were very good and really yeah so just that last moment of that episode and then the entire most recent episode i think f- for me i w- i am i have forgiven them for what they've done mm-hmm. um for now but that being said because you haven't watched it and you're probably not going to watch it the rest of this year it makes sense for them to make naughty list yeah okay all right uh and so my last entry into the naughty list Oscar season is fast approaching, and I do my thing where I try to watch all the Oscar movies. Um, and I watched one of the first ones uh-huh. uh, two nights ago. I watched Call Me By Your Name. Uh, I don't know if you remember from our Golden Globes run through, 
that's the one that got a whole bunch of acting nominations. Uh, both, oh yeah, yeah, both um, Army Hammer and Timothy Chalamet, I think is how you pronounce his name, uh, got nominations for Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, um, in mm-hmm. opposite of respective order. Uh, <laughs> and I was interested in watching it because I thought it was going to be a beautiful story about these um, two guys uh, in I want to say the seventies or eighties that fall in love which is before when that happens mm-hmm. uh, and also there's a whole age gap thing and i thought it would have been a beautiful story about the conflict and struggle that comes from that but turns out <laughs> uh-huh this a movie about two guys who fall in love with each other uh but instead of going through struggles it turns out all their family and friends are cool with it and that's the story there isn't a story it's just these guys fall in love there is like i thought it i thought the story was about these two guys that fall in love before it was cool turns out it was a story about these two guys that fall in love before it was cool but all their family and friends are supportive and nothing happens uh <laughs> it was a real rough hang uh huh. i watched it with my uh with my sister and one of her friends uh we are all on the same page although rotten tomatoes is in disagreement because that's currently in the 90s among critics mm-hmm. uh and i know there's a bunch of people that really liked it but it was it was a real rough thing it also takes place in italy which is one of the most beautiful places in the world and it did not uh-huh. take advantage of it uh, ah. yeah my sister also just read the book yesterday and she said uh-huh. the book is a lot better for two reasons one they go into the internal struggle between uh or the internal struggle with the the main character which I would have liked to see more of in the movie. They didn't really mm-hmm. do that too much. It was him like, do I do this? Do I not do this? Um, you know, do I fall in love with this guy? Was he going to think if I do this thing and whatever? So that apparently is a lot better. And then also, instead of some random city in the middle of nowhere that's kind of ugly, they go to Rome, uh-huh. which is a beautiful city that they don't do in the movie. And so apparently the book's really good, or the book is better. Um, so if you are a fan of books, I would potentially check that one out. Uh, but the movie was a real rough hang, real rough mm-hmm. hang. Um, I, I want to say it was my least favorite movie of the year. Wow. Um, and I've watched a lot of movies. I don't, I don't know what I would put below it. That's the thing. So yeah, <laughs> call me by your name. Hot take from Errol. Yeah yeah so all right now let's get to the nice list uh revamp our spirits uh ryan what you got all right well i'm going in order of the year so chronological order sure i i'm going to start off with logan i think logan was a really good movie it was a good r-rated superhero movie yeah uh, that was powerful it had humor in the right places but was appropriately you know had the right motif it had the right theme you know i think between it it kind of proved it was the uh the repetition test you know deadpool did well logan did well i think this has given everyone the go-ahead that hey you can make serious dark superhero movies that are r-rated that are good yeah and i think we're going to continue to see that and so I want to give shout out to Logan. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Logan was great. 
a deserving entry uh, to this list. Excellent job by James Mangold on directing it. Um, Hugh Jackman, great performance. Mm -hmm. All good. Yep. So what have you got? Uh, So the first one, I'm kind of cheating the system a little bit. Uh, (laughs) Not like just a little bit. Uh, because this list will be immortalized and the people that make the list will forever be on this list, I wanted to add a couple different people that I have loved for a long time before now. Mm-hmm. But they just happen to also make my favorite movie of the year. I'm, of course, <laughs> referring to the team that made Coco. Uh, mainly Lee Unkrich, who was the director, co-director, mm-hmm. but he also directed my favorite movie of all time, Toy Story 3. So I wanted to add him to the list. But also, Bobby uh, and Kristen Anderson Lopez, uh, they also wrote all the music for this. And they are two of my favorite people ever because they wrote the music for this, for Frozen, for Wonder Pets, and for Book of Mormon. Uh, wow. And Avenue Q. Like, these guys, like they, they have an EGOT, and it's they're amazing. So, yeah. Uh, so, they're making my list, too. Yeah. The music in Coco was just amazing, so I'm not yeah, was, surprised awesome. to learn that it was from them. It was really good. I was very happy with it. Uh, so, yeah, that's what we got. Uh, and then lastly, you know, I love Pixar more than just about anything. So, yep. Pixar. They also yep. make it all from one list, one part on the list, but they all, they all made it. All right, Ryan, number two, yep. what do you got? I'm going to follow up on you just said because my next item is... I think the most underappreciated of Cars move of well, of Pixar movies, uh, Cars three, which no one saw because Cars two sucked. Yeah. Um, but Cars three was really good. Uh, it was exactly my kind of movie. It was a good like sports movie, more than mm-hmm. it was many other things. Uh, but it was yeah. powerful. It had you know all of the the Pixar moments. I cried. It was great. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, it, it I, I got agree. a bad rap because it has cars in the first part of the title, but yeah, it deserves better. It it, it does. When the Golden Globes came out, I that's I thought was a snub, even or not a snub, I th- because I didn't think they would have gotten the nomination just because they already gave Pixar one with Coco, and mm-hmm. I, you know it's cars, so I didn't think that the audiences would have watched it. So yeah. That being said, uh, I, th- I I really like Cars 3. Uh, definitely one of my favorite movies of the summer. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's a definitely deserving one. Yeah. So what's what have you got? Uh, so next, uh, the movie that I thought was my favorite movie until I saw Coco. Ah. Uh, I am giving a shout out to the director, Taika Waititi, uh, for directing... Thor Ragnarok. I thought mm-hmm. that it was maybe not a perfect superhero movie, um, but it had one of my favorite movies or one of my favorite uh, moments in cinematic history. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Like at the end when he comes down with uh, with the lightning powers and immigrant song and like. I still get jitters every time I watch it. Yeah. And I think just for that scene alone, but also on top of all the comedy and all the 
the wonderfulness that was Thor. Um, I got to give Taika a shout out uh, for an amazing job on that movie. So, Yep. So I'm going to also follow up on what you just said because my next item is just humorous Marvel movies in general because mm-hmm. uh, this includes, I think, Spider-Man Homecoming because uh, between Spider-Man and Thor this year and we got... Guardians 2. Yeah, and Guardians 2. Uh, we had three really humorous, uh, you know, superhero movies from a yeah. franchise that people were worried was going to get stale, that was, you know, going to get repetitive. You know, they found a way to, you know, take these characters, and especially with Thor, characters that people kind of knew how Marvel portrayed them already, and yeah. then take that and flip that and make it new and exciting and fun you know when i saw spider-man and thor and also guardians you know that was some of the most fun i've had in a movie theater in a long long time yeah i agree um i think marvel did a great job this year Mm -hmm. i mean i don't need to go into my whole thing about spider-man again i again i really liked the movie and i thought it was really well done um regardless of my not loving it which is really yeah. my only complaint with the movie. I didn't love it. <laughs> you only Not, liked it. I only really, really liked it. And that just annoys me for some reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, whatever. But yeah, I agree. Marvel did a great job this year. And I think even for Marvel getting Fox, I think we can lump that in with all of Marvel. Uh, like getting, like that's, a, that's big. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would say they definitely won with that. They've proven that they can take the Sony properties and do it justice, and they are doing that with Fox now, and I think that's... I I agree that Marvel's a good pick. Yeah. Very good pick. All right. So my number three. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am on the fence between two. I can only pick one. Yes. And I'm not sure which one I want to choose. Pick the second one. What's your second one? So my two options... Are, and I have a feeling the other one's probably going to make it next year mm-hmm. um, if they do a good job. Uh, Legion or Stranger Things? Ah. Those are the two. Um, those are the best two TV shows I've watched this year. Um, the reason why there's a slight issue is I thought the first season of Legion was probably better than the second season of Stranger Things. However, Stranger Things as a whole, I like more than Legion. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm conflicted between the two uh, but as I am, as we are kind of copying I'm going to go with Legion and he- here's why this idea mm-hmm. of making the list is may or may not be a direct rip off from the watch podcast uh, which they have their wall where they do their like hall of fame type thing which is we're kind of copying uh, which uh-huh. I'm sure a bunch of other people do it too but because they gave me the idea one of the people that does that podcast, Andy Greenwald, is one of the uh, producers on Legion. Uh, so for that, as a thank you for this list idea, uh, Andy, and even Chris Ryan, uh, you guys got my support. Legion gets my number three spot. All right. So that sounds pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. But so for my next item, I think... Uh, it's time that we put a little appreciation towards the art of making a trailer. Okay. Um, 
because we've had uh, we, we've had you know lots of big blockbusters that are trying to sell themselves in their trailers, and I think they all need to look towards the Star Wars Last Jedi trailers as the the pinnacle of what it should be. Uh, you know, Star Wars the these last trailers, you know, ignoring all the other you know little tidbits and stuff they get they put out uh, just to keep the hype up. The Star Wars trailer it has you know music that is big and dramatic. It's got you know little teasers. Uh, it's got a feeling that you know a it's got the kind of motif and theme that the movie has so it's selling you on what the movie actually is but also it's not it's not giving anything away but also teasing the big moments in the movie and i came away from it wanting nothing more than to watch the new star wars movie right now mm-hmm. and that's not a feeling i get for most trailers most trailers are just kind of like oh this is what this movie's about but star wars this trailer made me excited and you know that i need it in a way that nothing else had yeah so i wanted to give a shout out to the art of making a good trailer yeah i agree that star wars has the great has great trailers for making people excited um but i've already done my rant enough times about why i don't like trailers just in general um and i think this star wars trailer even like when watching the last jedi it gave away a little bit more than I would have liked. Mm-hmm. Like when we're watching the movie, uh, I already know from the trailer a couple things. One, when Poe first landed on, like back on the on the ship with everyone else after he took out the dreadnought, mm-hmm. I could tell that that was the same room that was going to be blown up later. Because uh-huh. there was that one shot of him and BB-8 running away from the explosion. Yeah, and I knew that was going to happen, so I saw that coming. And I also saw, and I think probably more so for me, there was this whole other planet with like the snow and stuff. And when they were running away, it's like, how are they going to get away from that? It's like, well, we already know they're going to be successful because they have this pod facing stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I got to say about that. Um, I don't know. I think. Maybe I just got lucky this time, but, you know, I watched the trailer back in, you know, September or whatever when it came out and then kind of didn't watch or tried my best not to watch anything else. Yeah. And so the trailer wasn't in my mind when I was watching the movie, but as things would appear, I'm like, oh, that was in the trailer, but I was never looking for yeah. things I saw in the trailer. Yeah, so. I, that, that, that is true. I wasn't looking for it either, except... You know, there was a couple moments that kind of give away some of the stuff that goes on. Mm-hmm. So, whatever. I mean, that's, again, a me thing. Um, so, trailer's great, super exciting. And I will uh, gladly let these Star Wars trailers make the list, but not for <laughs> me. Mm-hmm. You're going to love my next one, then. Uh, ooh, tease, tease. Fun. Um, so, my next one is... I think makes a list for two reasons. One, because these two people made a great movie, uh, but also because what they do for uh, um, just for society and for the industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot 
Ah. Uh, they made Wonder Woman, which possibly the best movie of the summer. Yeah. Uh, just across the board, excellent superhero film. They were, you know, Gal was amazing in the movie. Patty directed it excellently. But then on top of that, being these leaders for women to, you know, enter the entertainment industry and be strong. And like Gal Gadot, who even single-handedly took off Brett Ratner for being mm. creep from Wonder Woman 2. And that's yep. great year for them. Great Absolutely. Year. You know, and also got snubbed by the Golden Globes. But, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. That's true. Oh, well. So what do you got? What what have you been teasing? Um, well, my last item on the nice list is the Avengers Infinity Wars trailer, mm. which I agree was not the best trailer, but I think is really good um, for all the reasons that would have made Star Wars a bad trailer, which is that Star Wars was all about breaking with the past and the Avengers trailer does everything it possibly can to harken back to the original trailers or the original Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got the same music. They've got, uh, you know, all these people saying what Nick Fury said, you know, over shots of, you know, them being dramatic or whatever. And it feels, it's really good at making you feel the way that you felt when you were excited for the first Avengers movie. Yeah, I, I I agree. Again, it's it's another trailer that I really enjoyed, and I really enjoyed the excitement that I had from it. But again, you know, it's it's just it's a pet peeve of mine in trailers. I just it's it's a good trailer, and I, I'm excited to see Infinity Wars. Except, but the thing is, I would have been excited regardless of whether or not the trailer was good. Oh yeah, so. I think you know every Marvel movie leading up to this has been a trailer for infinity wars. And so whatever was in this trailer, didn't really matter, but yeah. you know, they, I think they did a decent job regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's just interesting to compare it to the way star Wars approached it. So, okay. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Uh, so, and closing down our list, I think is probably, the movie that I've had the most fun with, not necessarily at the theater, but mm-hmm. just throughout going forward, I'm referring to the emoji movie. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, so I, I understand that everyone who has seen it has not liked it. Mm-hmm. Except for, except for me. Uh, but the thing is, just I've had so much joy talking about talking about it, and like telling my cousins that they shouldn't watch the Emoji Movie because it's because it's bad and you won't like it. But I liked it though. Just I, I don't know. Just all these conversations with my cousins and all of my friends, and just it was amazing. I also got to um, when I was in LA this past summer, I got to go to the Emoji Movie Yellow Carpet. Because uh, uh-huh. it was in the middle of Westwood, and I was living in Westwood, and <laughs> it's just it brought me just a lot of happiness mm-hmm. this year. And 
like going forward, I'm not going to remember you know every movie I saw this summer, um, even some of the better movies. Um, you know, like I'm not going to remember Dunkirk. You know, my sister will. Yeah. It's her favorite movie of the year, but I, I'm it's you know it's whatever for me. I'm not going to remember two thirds of the things I've seen. That being said, the emoji movie is going to stay with me. Yeah, for a while, and I really enjoyed it. So. Good. There we have it. That's our list. There we go. The uh, 2017 naughty list and the nice list. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Yep. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah, even though it already happened. Happy holidays. Yep. Uh, Merry New Year. Kwanzaa was a thing. Um <laughs> I hope that was happy too. Yes, of course. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening. Uh, this has been a great year. We will be back in uh, 2018 um, with a whole bunch of new stuff because that's what happens. Yep. Stuff Oscar season up. coming up. talk about it. Yes, I'm very excited. Uh, I'm excited for Oscar season. I'm not necessarily excited to watch all the movies, but. Yeah. Luckily, Mel Gibson doesn't have any more this year um (laughs) amen yeah so yeah thanks for listening uh don't forget to like subscribe comment follow download upload don't upload don't upload you can't upload unless we give you the account information yeah but we won't so stop asking kyle um yeah (laughs) uh yeah but yeah itunes soundcloud google play um and check it out so thanks for listening guys yeah thanks bye bye